more than anything, my story needs to be heard. On the different experiences that have occurred throughout my lifetime, it's I'm blown away each and every time that I remember how far I have come. <laughs> like my story is unbelievably remarkable and it proves and shows the power of transformation. It shows the power of forgiveness and it it shows resiliency as well. And I'm grateful that I've been strong enough to endure these different challenges in my life. I've only shared a handful of them publicly and because pain and trauma, it's very personal. It's very close to you. And oftentimes we can easily tie and intertwine our identity in with our trauma and whenever it becomes a part of you it's extremely difficult to break those cycles number one and number two when you have your identity wrapped up in your trauma each time you feel pain from the past or you get triggered you start to have the identity crisis identity issues and if you are not resolving the root of the trauma if you're not going through different modalities and processes to remedy that feeling then you're going to suffer you're going to be in more pain and you're going to also cause chaos in the life around you you're going to push people away and maybe even draw people into it's trauma is a it's a horse of a different color <laughs> and I'm grateful that I've been able to overcome these different things and some of them I, I still continue to work on it's still a process healing is ongoing that's one thing that I've definitely learned on this journey the trauma that I have personally experienced like when I think about and share it with people they're like there's no way there's no way <laughs> and I'm not going to share everything right now however I am going to go a little bit deeper into some very impactful experiences that have affected me that have whew, uh, definitely left an imprint, an imprint and a mark on me and my character you know growing up being one of six kids it was mostly good and then I'm not going to share certain details because it's not my my thing to share something went on in my family and there was a large amount of trust that was broken and it, it affected my mother most greatly and she did not handle it in a way that is to be resembled and my mother just didn't know how to handle it she shut out she shut herself in and completely cut off the outside world she started having pain and sickness and going to multiple doctors and um, that led to her being prescribed various medications and in the early 90s when medication wasn't regulated uh, my mother went to multiple doctors and got the same prescription 
and she created other identities as well. <laughs> so it left her with an excessive amount of poisonous narcotic pain medication. And my mother was an amazing Christian woman. Nobody can say any different about Ginger McCown. Not even one person in this world. <laughs> and even for her wonderful relationship and connection with her faith, it still wasn't enough for her to overcome this addic addiction or not even start it in the first place, to go down a path that you are looking to get, get out of pain. And all human beings, and this is one of our fatal flaws, is we are either going towards pleasure or going away from pain. That is it. Every action, every motive, every motion, everything that you are doing right now in this very moment is to either gain pleasure or to avoid pain. And that is it. And my mother chose to do two at the same time in, a, in an unhealthy way, which was go towards pleasure to avoid the pain. And that is something that a whole, whole, whole lot of people do. And I've done this my, before myself. So, you know, one of the traumas is that my mother had the, this, you know, this pain medication, this, this addiction, and it became so, so bad that uh, she had to have the ambulance called on her a couple of times, and she was Baker acted from my memory. I know at least once, I think it was possibly twice that she was Baker acted and held against her will for the greater good of others. And there was moments that we would come home for school and like the whole bus ride home. I just was so worried, sick to myself because I didn't know if I was going to find my mother passed out her dad on the floor like we have before. <laughs> Not that we found her dead before. Um, you know, we've come home from school and she's just been staggering in the hallway and sliding down the walls and falling over and or wouldn't even get, get out of bed at all. Now, this one time my brother and I, we were probably, let's call it 10 and 11. We were riding home from, from the bus and we lived out in the country. So we were the very last bus stop ever. We were the first one to be picked up in the morning and the very last one to, to arrive at the bus stop after school. And uh, usually my mother would come drive down the road because if we lived on a dirt road, it, the bus wasn't, uh, able to navigate through it. So they would pick us up at the main road. So from the main road to our house, it was a good 1.3 miles. It was a, it was a good, it was a hefty walk. Um, it was a clay dirt road and I think it had been raining this day. And so the, the bus driver stopped at our stop and the day after school, it was just me and my little brother there. And um, you know, when we pulled up, you can kind of see who, you know, the vehicle sitting there as you're, you're driving up and my mom's car wasn't there. There was nobody there to pick us up. My father wasn't there. My mother wasn't there. And it had never happened before. There was always somebody there to pick us up. And 
leading up to this, uh, there was a couple of occasions where my mother had either called the school or even come up to school. And she was, we called it, we called it drunk because we didn't know any better. We, we just said when mom was drunk. And she would go up to the school just misdressed, hair not brushed, teeth not brushed, probably haven't bathed in days. Yeah, I think several times she's maybe even got up there in her nightgown. Um, she called it her house coat. <laughs> really, it was <laughs> my mother wore a, a, a nightgown over a nightgown. And she called it a house coat. I don't, I don't know why. It was a fancy nightgown that she wore over her nightgown, but she called it her, her house coat. And so this was, this is kind of uh, what I experienced early on in life. This is probably like one of my greatest early childhood traumas is by going through this with my mother, if her having these episodes and, you know, she would get angry and she threw dishes at my brother's head one time and she was just completely erratic and um, she got really dangerous. And so, um, what ended up happening was my parents got divorced, uh, when she was, let's see, I, I guess I was around 12 or 13 when they got divorced and whenever they got divorced, um, my mother stayed at the house where we had grown up. All my other older brothers and sisters had already moved out. So they weren't in the house anymore. And, um, my brother, my younger brother and my dad were much closer than my dad and I were at the time. And I didn't want to live with two boys <laughs> alone in a trailer in the woods, which is where my dad had moved into at the time. So I moved in with my sister Rhonda and her newlywed, newly born family. So I stayed with Rhonda for the better part of a year, maybe a year and a half. Uh, I'm not sure on the timeline. My timelines get blurred. I have attempted to write them down. So like earlier um, timelines for me are mostly blurred out because I've blocked them out. Like I, there are certain instances like I have no recollection of. None. So... And, you know, moving around a lot. So after I lived with Rhonda for a short period of time, I then moved in with my sister, Randa. She lived by herself. So I lived with Randa for a, a small stretch of time. Uh, this was with my other brother and uh, my sister stayed there on and off as well. So at one point we were um, living with Randa and Rhonda and then I did end up moving in with my dad and my brother in... Um, this trailer was my, my dad had, you know, given 50% of his income and business over to my mother in the divorce. And so he was reduced down to huh, mostly ashes, I'd say. <laughs> and, and so they just moved into this random trailer that's, you know, my father had so many connections where we grew up and, um, he was just staying at this, this trailer and I moved in there with him and I stayed there for a while. And then my father did online dating and he remarried pretty quickly after being divorced from my mother. And uh, she had a stepdaughter. And uh, 
we all moved in together. <laughs> so it was my father and his brand new wife who they'd, they'd known each other for a very short period of time, less than a year, I'd say. And also within about a year after my father being divorced after being married for 30 years, <laughs> it was all a bit of a blow. And it was all like dominoes, like boom, 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 boom. Like <laughs> your mother's on drugs. You're moving around from house to house. You are having instability because your parents are now divorced. And then you're having instability because your father remarries. And then you're forced to move in and live with these people you've only just met. And I shared a room with this my stepsister, Samantha, who she was two years younger than me. And uh, <laughs> it was just, it was dramatic and chaotic all the time. It was all the time dramatic and chaotic. And my father worked and that was, that's all I mostly ever knew of him was that he was just gone working. Like he had this very, very productive and um, wonderful landscape design company. I mean, he did TCC. So if you're familiar with Tallahassee, like he's done major, uh, architect design, not architect design, but landscape design on multiple commercial and residential community properties. And, and so he was just working. <laughs> he would just work and leave before the sun came up and leave when the sun came down and whatever he, um, after the divorce, when we were living all living together, he did um, come home mostly earlier. He was mostly home by dark. However, when he wasn't wasn't there, it was just me and my brother, and so we would just we did all the you know the cooking, the cleaning, the shopping, and I started doing the cooking, cleaning, and shopping. You know, well well on when mother was sick, and you know my father would drop us off at the grocery store with a blank check that was signed that said "Go get some stuff." <laughs> So we did. By the way, this is a very <laughs> impromptu, casual, I'm literally just sitting here drinking a bottle of water and walking down this timeline with y'all. <laughs> if anything is shocking to you so far, go ahead and just pop it into the comments. Let me know what your thoughts are. If you had any similar experiences with any related trauma, my inbox is open as a trauma-informed coach, and this is something that I wanted to learn for myself so that I can coach my own self through my trauma. So I became a trauma-informed coach. So I'm able to handle and soothe these uh, trauma-rooted from the past and do some uh, you know, trauma healing on these different timelines. So if any of this is uh, surprising to you, just uh, reach out. Let me know. You can put it into the comments or you can get me on social media on Instagram or Facebook at Rachel01, R-H-A-C-H-E-L-01. So those have been some of the different traumas that I have survived and gone through and learned from. Each one of them had an impact on me and I have been able to heal many of them and I continue to heal them because healing is ongoing. It's a process. It's not something that you come in and do once. It's not like it, it it's not a one and done thing with healing. It's not do six months of coaching and then I'm almost set, I'm all good to go. It's not go to the therapist for five years and you know, you're done. 
right? Therapy has its role. Coaching has has its role. Journaling does. We have these different tools and modalities that are available to us. However, we get to choose what we're going to do next. We get to choose what feels good. We get to feel what we get to feel into what gives us joy. And that is what it's about. That's what it's about. I love you. You are such an amazing person. I believe in you and I'm sending you a humongous hug right now, heart to heart.